2: Podcast.
0: All have side podcasts except for Wes.
2: Welcome to another
3: edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis and I'm joined in a room filled with heroes Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Happy Sunday night. Happy flagship show. Week four in the NFL. Three more overtime games. I know we didn't like in this room how all of them turned out, Mr. Sizzler. But the greater point is that football is damn good right now in terms of uh, how competitive the games are, how fun they've been to watch. And you're not seeing those think pieces, Greg, like you saw this time last year about how there's something wrong with the sport. Well, it does
4: go to show that points sell. I was thinking about that on Thursday night because we were – Talking about what a classic game that is, and everyone that watched at home came out of that game feeling like the NFL is that this is why Rams it's our favorite Vikings. store, the, the Rams and Vikings. And it's because points ultimately people do like people points, like. but
5: it's more complex than that. There's been more entertainment, there's been more late game drama, there's been a lot of on stage, on big stage, teams absolutely playing well,
3: absolutely. But also, there's been more points. And we, uh, Mark, you know, that Mark's leg is elevated right now. How, is this for health reasons?
1: Uh, I or, was carrying. Two, I guess, or is
3: it Browns? Is it a
1: cord of firewood? I was carrying two uh, collections of firewood into Wes's house on one Friday. of these nights, Friday night, and <laughs> collapsed to the <laughs> driveway, <lost> like, <laughs> like totally crumbled in the driveway and landed on my left knee. And it's oh. I'm just sort of it's, I don't have ice, but it's the version of icing it, just putting my knee up on the okay. table to deal with
3: okay, uh, the setback, Dan. It's a health issue. Okay, um, I was gonna say last year we were giving it to the NFL. This is not just us you know being so you know pro, we're in the bag for the league last year, there was a bad football, especially in primetime. we've been lucky this year, so
1: there was bad was- energy around a lot of NFL stuff a year ago, and I think right now, and it's crazy that that Thursday night game that we went to feels like a million years ago and a million great games ago at this point there's great energy around this season right now and what's happening
4: I think it well, says a lot when the the piling on the quarterback rule is the biggest problem the NFL's had by We're far it right now, like by that's way. not ba- you're right <laughs> well, like, like tomorrow there's going to be a yeah. terrible story that ruins our lives there are
5: as many flags this year as last year but last year it was a lot of flags and not much football action this year, there's enough football action that people can put up with them. It
1: does help that, like, 18 NFL defensive coordinators uh, are systematically drugged before each game <laughs> so that they have no idea what's happening by the end of the first quarter.
3: I am going to try to be a professional and get through this podcast taking Mark seriously with the leg up. This is wild what's happening.
1: This is how I get through. I'm sustaining. And, I listen, I tried to I be a good see it friend by day. bringing Firewood into Wes's house. It, it did up. not go well. All
3: right. We got a lot of games to get to. A lot of fun football to talk about. Week four, Sunday. Let's start with one of those overtime thrillers.
5: Mariota throws in the end zone. Man is there. Touchdown!
3: Oh, Oh, Mikey Keith. WGFX clipped that off. Uh, That's in the running for call of the year. Marcus Mariota connected with Corey Davis on a 10-yard touchdown pass just before the end of overtime. The Tennessee Titans beat the Philadelphia Eagles 26-23. What a game. A tough loss for the defending champ Eagles, who blew a 14-point second-half lead and a three-point lead in overtime. Greg, this Titans team does not give up. They don't, and the way that they did it,
4: has me thinking they have a chance to be special this year. It's one thing to win with Blaine Gabbert over the Texans with some crazy plays. Another, you win in Jacksonville 9-6. The fact that they won by being aggressive, throwing the ball down the field from the very first quarter, and I know it was 17-3 midway through the third quarter, but there was actually a lot of action, a lot of interesting moments in this game. But from that point on, Mariota completed, I believe, at least 14 straight passes after they were down 17-3. They scored 17 unanswered. You see Corey Davis playing like a number one receiver and you see Marcus Mariota throwing the ball down the field and you start to see, okay, this is what Matt LaFleur, this uh you know acolyte of of uh right. Sean McVay, you know, someone who learned from Sean McVay and Sean, you know, Kyle Shannon, you started to see that offense take shape and you started to see Mariota throw well and move very well. And the fact that they overcame fourth and fifteen in overtime, fourth and four, and then you had a moment at fourth and two where you were going to kick a field goal to tie the game in overtime, and Vrabel has kind of his come to Jesus, I'm just going to go for it moment, takes a timeout, decides to go for it, gets it to Deion Lewis, they march down the field and win the game. That that changes a, a, a the course of a season. I
3: think they're just going to be so fired and up. And that was a trend in week four, coaches and big decisions either changing their minds or making uh, unorthodox decisions there. It worked out for of the Titans.
5: He, Vrabel said after the game that he put that kick team on the field on purpose to stop any confusion that the offense was going to have because he knew he was going to take a, a timeout mm. regardless, which is a little bit different than what happened in the Colts game. We'll get to that, but but Vrabel seemed to keep his head about him there.
1: It's it, amazing to me that Vrabel, prior to 2014 is someone with zero pro football coaching experience, and along with Matt Nagy, looks like one of the best new hires right now. And and did not have a great track record
4: as a defensive coordinator in the NFL, but this Titans defense has been playing really well, and they've been creative, and they gave problems to the Eagles, who I think overall they should not, Eagles fans should not be panicking. I think you saw a lot in this game actually to be excited about. Carson Wentz looked much better. You're getting something out of uh, – Jordan Matthews, which I think just adding to the
3: mix is nice, and Alshon Jeffrey was back and made a huge difference. Eight for one oh five and one for Jeffrey. Carson Wentz, thirty three of fifty, three forty eight and two touchdowns. Uh so yeah, this is it wasn't like a, a dark day for the defending champs. It's just the Titans might be for real.
5: This they deserve respect, and um, I personally would not call them the Tytoons anymore. A lot of tweets. Yeah, you That's should, a you should for you. Shouldn't do that. Yeah, Jarrell Casey playing as well as Fletcher Cox this year. He's been awesome. He made a game-winning Land- play today. Harold Landry is one of the impact rookies on defense too.
1: Dan, a lot of right. there are. I received probably twenty to twenty-five right. strongly worded tweets um, <laughs> directed essentially at us to t- corral you on this issue.
3: Yes. Where are you with but Titans? This is how ty-tunes? this is how you generate heat and pop and buzz around your podcast. <laughs> Tytoons win some games oh, in December. Well, I mean, it was a you and just and in beat January. The they nice job beat, in September. They just beat
4: the the AFC. You know the the division leaders. You Very know, nice job. The, the guys job. who made the conference they beat the defending Super Bowl champs. And they and what I liked is they changed their plan. They couldn't run the ball and they just started to throw it like crazy because that was what who
3: cares what I what I call them. Enjoy your your team, Tennessee.
4: I think some people do care, Dan. Tennessee
3: region. I think they're going to
4: be enjoying them this year. It's a fun squad.
3: All right, let's uh, move on.
0: Weeks with the snap. It's down. Daniel with the hold. Fairbears kick is up. And it's good. And the Texans win it overtime at the buzzer. Fairbear drills it. And the Texans get their first of 2018.
3: KILT. Mark Vandermeer with the call. One of my favorite names in the game right now. Kaimi Fairbairn took advantage of a second chance at a game winner, connecting on a 37-yarder as time expired in overtime to give the Houston Texans a 37-34 win over the Indianapolis Colts. Fairbairn missed the first kick wide left, but the Colts had called timeout. He didn't miss when he counted. Mark, that's how it ended, but this game will be remembered for an extremely gutsy or extremely dumb decision by Frank Reich.
1: Absolutely. It's fourth and four with 27 seconds left in overtime and they are sitting at the Colts are sitting at their own 43 yard line and they dial up a pass that falls incomplete from Andrew Luck to Chester Rogers and right away twitter lights up with people asking why on earth did coach Frank Reich go for this this way why be this aggressive when there were other ways out of this game he came out very strongly afterwards explaining why he did it do we want to um, get to that sound clip yeah
0: just you had to set it up now. nicely I mean, what, we're not playing to tie. I mean, we're going for that ten times out of ten. I mean, that's just the way it's got to roll.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't normally we, trust the I don't it. normally like push uh, like Erica into sound clip world. So I, I, you, I was in
3: a new trust, new trust the props honestly. Like you stuck the landing there. You just had to trust your instincts. You had that extra couple of words. Well, hurt you.
1: if I, you know, I do that maybe once a year on this show. So next year at this time, hey, I'll, I'll do a better job. Can
3: I hear that. it one more time though? Because I wasn't listening. <laughs>
0: um. Yeah, I'll just address it now. I mean, we're not playing to tie. I mean, we're going for that 10 times out of 10. I mean, that's just the way it's got to roll.
5: Wes, did you like it? Well, the philosophy is the same as Vrabel's, but the execution was faulty. And I think you can criticize Frank Reich for taking the time out the play before to try to get the defense to jump off sides, leaving himself with little wiggle room there. And you can also fault him for not choosing on a fourth and four play, say your best two-point conversion type of run play, which would have left the other team with no time on the clock had they gotten the ball back.
4: What do you what do you mean? That the clock
1: stops the second you run the ball. So
4: But that's
5: going to a running play will take more time than a passing play. But
1: it still would have left you with tw- about 20 seconds I think if not it, I think less than that, right? I mean there were 27 seconds at the at the point of the snap. It went down to 24 on the incomplete pass. It's going to change possession and the clock's going to stop. Maybe it's an extra three or four seconds. Maybe,
4: but I I like the idea in general, the execution and the spot on the field and the way that game was flowing. I can understand the criticism, but maybe kind of like Mark, you know, not quite trusting the process there. It was, was the right idea, and the long th- in the long term, I think it's going to help out, and you're going to have some learning. And this curves, is what you got to do. You know, some Maybe it's the mistakes.
5: right idea on the other team's 43 yard line, and not your own. Well,
1: that makes that that's that I agree with. I think the, where it was on the field, you're just are asking potentially only, for disaster. Here's the
4: thing, though: you can make a better throw. You can also make a better play on defense. You had to give up a lot of yards immediately on defense, and that's exactly what they did to lose the game. So it's on players too.
3: Deshaun Watson, first play after this fourth down failure. Connects with DeAndre Hopkins, uh, twenty-four yards. They spiked the ball and kicked the field goal. So even even after that that went sideways on the Colts, if they just put up a little bit of a fight and get a stop, even an incompletion that affects the time situation, you probably survive. But they they just didn't execute. And what shouldn't be lost in this game is how great Andrew Luck played um, this a week after a lot of hand wringing and concerned concerned about how Luck has looked and how maybe that shoulder is permanently damaged to the point where, where he'll never be the same guy. He made a lot of great throws in this game. He, he, he had some drives where, again, he's just an easy guy to root for where I felt like, yes, Andrew Luck, you still can do this thing.
1: Yes, I think if you are a Colts fan – or a Texans fan, there is something to be optimistic about both offenses, both passing games, I should say, finding their way in this game as it went on and on to the point where you really knew the Texans were gonna run. I look at this this Colts ground attack though, is absolutely a mega disaster. This is the most
5: imbalanced team in the AFC. Their running backs aren't good. It is it is hard to watch how imbalanced they are. And for their efforts, they played ninety snaps. Today and they are on a short week to play against the Patriots. T.Y. Hilton has a hamstring injury, oh and Frank Reich does not expect. And him they're to in be a available. good di- luck with
1: that.
4: They're in a good division. I think the Titans and Jags are both playoff type of teams. They're at three and one, and maybe that's why you are should be aggressive that you need wins,
3: not ties. That ends a nine game losing streak for the Texans that dates back to last year. And uh, hats off to Adam Vinatieri now the all time uh, field goal uh, leader uh, after kicking uh, converting uh, late in the first half. Let's move on.
2: Prescott airs it out deep down the right side. The ball is caught at the 25 yard line of the line by Ezekiel Elliott. A wheel round down the right side, and they're in field goal range with a minute 10 of the
3: clock running. Brad Sham, K R L D, with the call. Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, just like you just heard, connected a huge 34 yard reception late in the fourth quarter. Prescott put it right where it needed to be, and Elliott made the play. Brett Marr. Mayor Marr, Marr, 38-yard field goal in the final seconds. Cowboys, 26-24 win over the Lions at Jerry World. It was a career day for Zeke, who piled up 240 all-purpose yards and a touchdown carrying a Dallas offense that needs him more than ever. Big win for Big D, Chris Wessling.
5: Yeah, this game could have gone either way, and the Lions took the lead right before that play we just heard announced. Ezekiel Elliott. Over-the-shoulder grab against Gerard Davis in coverage, 35 yards down the field. Just a phenomenal play from a running back. And Zeke last week moved the chains but had some critical errors that cost the Cowboys. This week he moved the chains and kept making big play after big play. The best player on the field in this game. You called this his best game yet as a Dallas Cowboy. Wow. Yeah, it's going out on a limb, but I do think it was when you watch the game, the impact that he had and. He's probably the best running back in the NFL, he, either him or Todd Gurley. Well, he's also so important to them
4: because they just have so little else. He would, he made up more than half of the team's total offense. In what was their best day offensively of the season, he is easily half
3: the team. It also
5: shows you how the low the bar is for Dallas, that this is their best offensive game of the season.
3: Their leading receiver outside of Elliott was Cole Beasley with four catches for 53 yards. And this, but I thought this was also a positive game. This is no, make make no mistake. Zeke is the reason they won this game. But Dak Prescott, who's been getting a lot of criticism lately, he actually was able to produce. He had gone eight straight games, I believe, without a 200 yard game. He threw for 255, didn't throw a pick, had two touchdowns. So a positive game for him as well. He
5: was fine. Not nearly the impact that Demarcus Lawrence had. He had another three sacks. He's got 20. sacks in his last 20 games and he is headed for a contract showdown with the Cowboys you, in
4: the offseason. yeah he's gonna be rich because he's coming off of a, a franchise tag that already pays him 17 million and you're making your top 10 MVP candidates I don't know how many defensive players are gonna get on that but if if any are I feel like Lawrence other than Khalil Mack would be in that defensive player of the year because he's one of the few defensive players that shows up every single week you
1: can expect something from him
4: I yep. don't
5: know if like a Best defensive player on a 2-2 two and two team is going to be in my right. MVP. Look at this oh, game back. by Golden Tate, by the way. Eight targets, eight catches, 132 yards, two scores. He was making mincemeat out of the Cowboys' cornerbacks. Just could not tackle him. He's so good after the catch. And their cornerbacks outside of Byron Jones just aren't that good.
4: By the way, I don't know if you guys heard, but Jason Garrett said after the game, that, that pass that we heard the play, Dak Prescott to Zeke, that was officially a nut cut and throw. Do. Talk about, he said. Talk about a nut cutting throw. That's
1: just a visual I that I don't. I don't know
4: what need. that,
3: what that means, but I think that's good. I think. Well, that I was just about to say, Wes. You watched this game a lot closer than I did. I kind of just caught the end of it. That throw from Dak was a beautiful throw. They need their quarterback to step up and make plays, and that was a crucible moment in that game. That was a nut cutter. Big old look. nut cutter.
5: <laughs> he Dance <he's>, on board. <laughs> he's lucky that the last play people remembered was not the spin that he took to move his team mm. out of field goal range on a third down.
4: Something jarring when when Garrett goes blue, like he like when in that
3: right. in uh, the it
4: never all sat nothing right. show, it's something strange.
3: Also, uh, Jared Jones, who's known to feel himself after games like these, he, always fun in the luxury <laughs> box uh, immediately after a crushing loss or a win, he fainted uh, or he did he acted as if he had fainted right after the kick and then I think Jane Slater on Instagram got a, a video of him walking through the tunnel. Uh, making the comment, were, were y'all worried about anything?
4: Talking to the media, who does a bad job and laughs, at least so, some of them does. And it's like, <laughs> all right, like, go crazy boasting to get to 2-2 two and two with a narrow home win right. over the Lions. He's, I don't know. Yeah, he's
1: 48 hours removed from, from calling is, the Cowboys the ramps. Yeah, right. Let's just let's grasp
3: reality in, again. Enjoy please. your wins. And this is another frustrating <laughs> loss for the Lions, who were unable to build on that Patriots win. And this is another... One where they got their hearts ripped out at the end. So the Lions back to square one. Let's move on. Twelve seconds to go. Dalton back to throw. He's past. Boom.
2: Boom. Oh,
3: yeah. A.J. Green yeah. touchdown. Boom. Bengals. Big. I love it. I love when the booth guys, the radio guys, they're homers at heart, and they just say, F it, we're pumped right now." That was Dan Horde and Dave Lapham. Of the Bengals Radio Network WCKY with the call. Andy Dalton threw a 13 yard touchdown pass to AJ Green with seven seconds remaining, lifting the Cincinnati Bengals to a 37 36 win over the Falcons. Dalton moved uh, the Bengals 75, y- 75 yards in just four minutes, twice keeping the drive alive on fourth down with completions to Tyler Boyd. Mark. A huge road win for the Bengals and a crushing setback for a Falcons team that knows this feeling all too well.
1: Falcons team that's 1-3 and, and a Bengals team that's 3-1 and one that looks to me like a playoff team. 52 points to the point of everything we're saying about defense or offense and defense in this league at this point. 52 points scored in the first two quarters, which is the most by any team this season in the first half. And here is what I thought said so much about this Bengals offense that we have been on board with since August. They lose Tyler Eifert, their tight end, to a gruesome lower – it's a fractured ankle, I believe he has Mm. – seconds into the third quarter, and, and it was such a terrible injury, and he was carted away, shedding tears, that the entire Bengals offense, I think, was emotionally affected by it. They completely went asleep. Seconds later, a blocked punt. Then in the next possession, punt, and then Andy Dalton threw a tipped pass that got picked, and you could feel this game floating away from Cincinnati on the road. And instead of crumbling, which we've seen Andy Dalton do, the Andy Dalton, who threw four picks last week, typically if he's going to go down the dark Andy Dalton path, he's he's going to account for another turnover that would hand this to an excellent Falcons offense. Instead, he dialed up a field goal and that final touchdown drive that you mentioned. This was one of the, I hate this word, but one of the gutsier Bengals victories that I've seen in years. It's a huge win.
3: Ooh, not a lock it up,
1: though. What happens to me in these football weeks is either everything goes right, which is rare, or everything goes wrong. And (laughs) I I locked up the Falcons, and I also got stuck writing this game, which took about 45,000 hours. This game went on for two and a half years. You had both
4: the the Texans. Yeah,
1: I had the Texans Texans ones too. It's like, please throw me into two darker corners at the same time. I have no idea what's happening.
3: Hang in there, Mark. Last week, I think, uh, Mark, you, you yourself had said, maybe for the preview for this game, you don't want to put too much on Andy Dalton because he's not quite at that level as a quarterback. This was, I think, one of the, his signature wins of his career uh, and one of the signature throws. The Falcons deserve to take heed for not being able to close this out, but that play, that was a perfectly thrown ball to the perfect spot. The receiver ran a perfect route. Cincinnati just outplayed the Falcons in the biggest point of the this moment. This was a
1: defense-free game. game, and Dalton
5: had his way, as did Matt Ryan. How many teams have scored more points than the Cincinnati Bengals this year?
3: More points? I'm going to say none the way you set it up.
5: Two. Sean McVay's <laughs> Los Rams. Angeles Rams are the only team. The wow. Chiefs will probably ah, have so more close. after Monday night's game, but the Bengals are a top-five offense so far this year. And, and the Falcons basically are two, I would say, the last three weeks. They are. Yeah, they're, they're fourth in right fourth and, in
4: and they lo- lose two straight games at home like this to the Saints – and, and to the Bengals, and I saw the stat that teams were three hundred and eighty-six and one when they when you score thirty-seven points with no turnovers before the Falcons lost last week. This year they scored thirty-six points, one less with no turnovers. I mean, you usually at, at home that that's that stat. And you, usually you win those games. I mean, it does, is, it's not, like, up for debate. But the NFL is a little different this year. This has
3: been a – it's been kind of shielded by some other quarterbacks that have been playing out of their mind. But this has been a brilliant three-week stretch for Matt Ryan. So for them to come out of September 1-3 and three, is bitterly disappointing. And you have to wonder losing their two top defenders to season-ending injuries. It, it, this is just what the Falcons are going to be this no, year. I mean, they their they're defense. eight or nine wins and, and their defense is just not going to let them close out games.
5: This is what you expect to happen when you lose the backbone of your defense.
3: They, they can – I, they're the best one-and-three team in the league off the top of my head,
4: and, and they're not a one-and-three team that I would rule out. Sucks I, every, to be the best one-and-three team. Right, it does. It does. Every every week,
1: though, they're right there with good teams, and they find a way to lose.
4: They're
3: not dead yet. They can climb out of this. They're but far the from dead, but they've on.
1: got some, some issues that aren't about to go away.
3: Uh, let's move on.
5: Snap Trubisky.
0: Turn right. He's got Gabriel for the touchdown. Right front corner of the end zone. Six touchdown throws today by second-year quarterback Mitch
3: Trubisky. Ooh, hey. Jeff John Joniak. <laughs> WBBM with the call. Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, that guy threw a career high six touchdown passes. Just one shot of the NFL record. What? And the Chicago Bears, the team of around the NFL, destroyed the Bucks. 48-10. Trubisky had never thrown more than two touchdowns in a game before Sunday's explosion. Maybe stole that Fitz magic from Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was benched in this one. Mm. Greg. This is what you call breakout performance for young Mitch. It it was for him
4: and the entire offense, for Matt Nagy calling up the right plays where guys are just streaking wide open. And in this game, Trubisky was decisive in hitting him, and he did have a a few dimes, Uh, one to Tariq Cohen. I can think of one to Trey Burton, where he was wide open, but it was a perfect throw, and, and another to uh, Taylor Gabriel. So he was making pl- chunk plays down the field. He was confident. He was their leading rusher. Trubisky can move. I mean, he is a he is a great uh, runner when he wants to be, and they did call a run that was a key play in the first half. And so I just think Matt Nagy has just so obviously made a difference and so obviously looks like the Chiefs' offense. And the biggest difference today was he was playing the Bucks who are one of the worst defenses in the league and are so predictable, and Mike Smith's going to lose his mind. And Wait, then number just, two, Trubisky hit his shots. He hit the throw. Let,
3: let's hear what Dirk Cutter, the head coach, had to say about the uh, effort by his defense and whether or not maybe uh, the defensive coordinator, Mike Smith, could be in danger of losing his job.
2: We should fire every person that was on that field today, starting with me. That was, that was horrific.
4: That would cause some chaos. Derek, would, let's let's not give anybody that. any ideas. Right, the Glazers, the ownership—they're really worried about Man United, who's having their own struggles right now. How about that for a little Premier League knowledge? They're <laughs> well, falling. That's apart. a big
3: bounce back after you wore that West Ham jersey and got killed for it <laughs> I, in England. Hey, also
4: known as Greg's Fashion Apocalypse. <laughs> hey, I don't—I have no regrets. West Ham with a big win over. Greg thought. Of, over Man I don't United. don't know,
3: Greg wore a West Ham kit—I think they call it—to our Saturday um, a media tour. Uh, when we were in England, and I think he did it. He's like, oh, this is going to give me a lot of points with the locals. And he didn't realize in London, West Ham is a, a hated team. Well,
4: it just depends got, where you are. Killed for it five went killed
3: so Every
1: team is hated because there's only, you know.
4: Yeah, it got like killed five for five team.
3: hours straight up
5: backfired. It just great. to be
1: clear from a visual angle, he wasn't <laughs> <laughs> wearing the, the shorts and the, <laughs> no. the shin guards and the socks.
3: Yes, he was. He
5: better in an antagonist role anyway.
1: Right. Oh, I
4: liked, I liked uh, You yeah, know, at least people were given some sort of reaction. It's like the Bears. The Bears used to be a team there was no reaction to. Now I'm looking forward to watching them. Are
1: you feeling yourself just a little bit because your accountable hot take from our Twitter show is looking? Well, you've you've essentially probably already succeeded at it. But that was that that was after the se- second week. Yeah, I said that Jameis Winston
4: would be the starter after the bye, and this game was not Ryan Fitzpatrick's fault. But he had a fumble, he had an interception, and they had five first downs and six drives and. And they wanted to give Jameis Winston some work because I think all along Dirk Cutter wanted to go back to him if he had any – I mean, we
3: there was a report that Dirk Cutter wanted to put Ryan Griffin in – uh, the Monday Night this Football is, game, so this was always he's was itching none. to do this apparently, and now he has his opportunity. I think Greg, your prediction is going to come to fruition.
5: Yeah, anytime you can replace like one of the league's most productive quarterbacks with the guy who led the NFL in fumbles the year before, <laughs> you have to do it. <laughs> well,
4: Fitzpatrick, I think we've seen who he is, and I think that's just what they're over I think the we've long. We've seen who Jameis Winston is too, and you refuse to acknowledge it. Winston's played three years. I am definitely willing to uh, believe. Here, here we are again. No, here's I'm the thing though. Back. I'm definitely willing to believe that a 24 year old has room. To to grow in his career, and he's shown a lot of good things. But uh, this isn't the time for that. It's time to give a little props to Khalil Mack. Four straight games with a forced fumble and a sack. It's a just beast. outrageous. And hit Jameis Winston's arm on a play that turned into an interception. This is he had two turn- two more turnovers today, and they listened to Wes about Tariq Cohen, gave him the ball all day, and, and he was the guy, not Jordan Howard. Playoff
5: team? Who? The Bears, the team of ATN, not the Bucks. Who's better than the Bears? Come on, the, definitely the Rams. The team of ATN. Maybe the Saints team
2: of
5: in the A-T-N. NFC. Big turnaround. I want to see more from
4: the offense on a consistent basis. The defense, I think, is a top five defense, no doubt. One of the only difference-making defenses. I, I need yes. to see more from the offense than one fire show against
3: the Bucks. Yeah, it, are dreadful.
5: It reminds you of the Rex Grossman Bears right now.
3: Do you? Right. Mark, do you remember the uh, sitcom in the 80s, Head of the Class? Sure. Remember the, the cool kid that used to sit in the back with the computer with his leg up all the time? Yes. That's you yeah. right now. <laughs> I'm going to do every show this that way guy. and every video presentation this just, way. It changes your entire delivery system. It just Everything seems flip and casual, and he, you're a little detached. You are more, like detached but you're more pool. relaxed.
1: It's I woke the, up feeling largely lost. I still feel that way. This feels appropriate the way I'm sitting.
5: It's the ID... What is it? IDF... I-D-A-F.
3: Oh, I don't give a... Yeah, that guy. You're that guy. Yeah, he's that guy. Don't tell the employer, but it's very true. Let's move on.
2: (laughs) Out of the shotgun. takes the handoff to Montgomery, ducks it over to Jimmy Graham, left side of the pylon, touchdown! In the north end zone, and Jimmy Graham enjoys a Lambeau leap.
3: Wayne Larrabee, WTMJ, Packers Radio Network. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Graham. Connected on their first touchdown pass of the year. Green Bay Packers put together a really nice effort. Defensively, at least. A 22-to-zip shutout win over the Buffalo Bills who come down to earth after that excellent effort against the Vikings last Sunday. So they can't carry it over in the NFC North. Um, we, We talked about... This last week, Aaron Rodgers needs help. He needs his own – his teammates to, to kind of come in and, and, and help lift him when he's beat up and doing everything he can. He got that today. Aaron Jones, Wes, who you who you like a lot, his numbers aren't going to jump out at you, but he really ran the ball well, gave them a lift um, and a touchdown. Um, the defense, though, and this has been a, a defense that Mike Pettin was supposed to improve it and it hasn't really happened through three weeks – Uh, Yes, it's the Bills and and Josh Allen, a rookie, who looked lost in this game. Uh, But they get their first shutout since 2010 and made Josh Allen just look lost. Three turnovers, two interceptions, a fumble, 16 of 33 for 151 yards. And uh, uh, so the Packers do what they have to do. They take care of business. They did what the Vikings should have done. Uh, But Aaron Rodgers said it himself after the game. Uh, this was a really great effort by by our defense, but our offense, this was a non-playoff caliber effort by our offense, Mm. and they still have work to do on that side of the ball.
1: What percentage of outside of Green Bay football fans uh, knew the name Kyler
5: Fackrell before today, who had three sacks? Who has been a whipping boy among Packers backers who want that guy off the roster. Right, when you you say they they need, like, Aaron
4: Rodgers needs more help, (laughs) I think of, the defense and the pass rush. Clay Matthews and Nick Perry have been disappointing this year up until this game. And Fackerel's usually their fourth edge rusher, I think, behind Reggie Gilbert, Reggie too. Gilbert, so yeah. so this is a game where you kind of expect Mike Pettin to cook up something that's going to scramble a rookie's brains, and that's exactly what he did.
3: And Clay Matthews, yes, we don't have to play any sound from Clay. He, did get, he was active, and he had half a sack, but no penalties, and he was no Fackrell because there's only one fackerel. And that's Kyle. Just fat one. Girl.
5: You're saying fat girl, not fat girl, right? Fat girl.
3: No, no. I'm not saying uh, fat girl. No. Okay. I'm not. I'm not saying Zaftig woman. Zaftig. Zaftig? I like Zaftig. <laughs> um, any, any other thoughts on this game? Ruben S. I
1: don't really know I do where to go one. after what, what just happened here. but
3: <laughs> I did. Again, casual, cool, detached. Market. Next time I look over, you're going to be smoking a cigarette.
5: <laughs> it ain't going to be a cigarette. <laughs>
3: Um, my my only other thought on on the Bills side of the ball before we move on is LaShawn McCoy, who I know is banged up, but completely invisible uh, to start this season. And he carried a, a, a mediocre Bills team on offense last year. I think he accounted for a third of their offense. It has not been the same thing. So I don't know if it's him being getting older, banged up, off the field issues, but LaShawn McCoy is no longer a guy that's bailing out the Maybe Bills on offense.
2: Him.
5: I'd like to see that. Let's move on.
2: It's an empty set for Brady. Yes. Blitzer's coming. Brady stands in. Lines it left for a wide open corner Patterson. Oh. Back pudding makes the catch. Turns upfield. Makes Woo. it cut to 20. Right to the 10. To the five. To the end zone. Touchdown. Patriots. Welcome to New England, CP. There's your first moment.
3: Oh, I'm gonna get this wrong. A Twitter user berated me for calling Bob Sochi by the like mispronouncing it for five straight years. You should know, Greg. Can you help me? Bob Sochi? I thought you just got to write the first, though. <sighs> anyway, Bob Sochi, Patriots Radio Network, WBZ. And Posey, you know? With the call. No clue. Great. Tom Brady threw for 274 and three touchdowns. The Patriots handed Miami their first loss of their season 38 7, detonation in Foxborough. Tom Brady improved to 15 1 in his career versus the Dolphins, who came crashing back down to earth after that 3 0 start. West, the Pats have effectively restored order in the AFC East.
5: I think they've restored order, but I'd stop shy of saying they fixed what was ailing them on offense. They came out and against a defensive end duo of Cam Wake and Robert Quinn that has about one hundred and sixty career sacks, they decided to see if these pass rushers can stop the run. And Sony Michelle ran through big holes throughout the first half. James White was really good as a runner and a receiver. Uh, I think the Patriots looked at the Dolphins and said, we can push them around and we don't trust their linebackers. Let's take advantage of them. And that's what they did. It was not some game where Brady in the passing game got healthy. Philip Dorsett made a nice touchdown catch, but also dropped Tom Brady's best throw of the day downfield. Cordero Patterson's touchdown came on a pick play at the line of scrimmage in which Xavier Howard got lost and basically busted coverage. Uh, James White scored on a 22-yard TD one play after Tannehill botched a shotgun snap and Kyle Van Noy scrambled for the ball and got it. This was more, to me, like the Patriots got the brakes and imposed their will rather than, hey, the Patriots offense is back and you better watch out. But the
4: defense showed up as a, as a Patriots fan to see that the, the Dolphins didn't have a drive longer than five plays until garbage time. I've talked a lot in the podcast that they're going to have to win games different types of ways because I don't think the offense is ever going to get to the levels it's been before, and they had a game plan that just absolutely shut down
5: Miami. I'm not sure exactly what the game plan was, but there was no running game, and they concentrated on Tannehill's legs too. They did not want him breaking the pocket because I think they thought he's more dangerous as a runner than a passer.
3: What was that, Erica? Oh, right. Wes and Greg picked the Patriots.
5: Oh, yeah. I haven't seen bravery 4-0.
3: like that since the invasion of Normandy.
5: You're not going to – I don't even worry about this. I, I don't get about
4: this, this is why I don't get the locks. Because didn't you pick the Rams at home against the Chargers? I don't mind. Anyone
5: can take any locks, right? I, Erica. I have Weren't no problem favorites? looking in the mirror on this one against the 3-0 and Dolphins, a of team course. that Greg said have major issues for the Patriots. They were in worse shape no, than they were. After you're you're the game.
3: culprit on this one, Wes. Because you're saying, you're trying to stick it to Greg because you never believed in the Dolphins. So you're using Greg's explanations as your cover, and that doesn't translate. I have no
5: issue looking in the mirror against a 3-0 and team. Mark knows what I'm talking game. about. I, I have no <laughs> issue with that. I,
1: I will say that, you know, we look back on our grandfathers as them? courageous figures. I think that our grandchildren, you ask can, this is them? the moment I they can I at.
3: did. That's why I'm letting you off of the hook on this. The reason I didn't pick them is I couldn't look in the mirror and pick the Patriots at home. Please, Please give
5: me team. a break. Give me a break. And right I out. see what
3: you're doing, Wes. You're playing it too safe. And I'm
5: not playing it safe at all. You're worried that I'm 4-0 and, oh and kicking your I'm ass saying, in a game you
3: invented. I'm telling you, you, invented- you, <laughs> you need to uh, man you're up. You're worried the that karma- I'm running away
5: with the title like the Boston Red Sox, and it's not going to work. I looked in the mirror. I saw a brave pick against an undefeated team, and you can stick it where the sun don't shine.
3: I don't know about brain. Karma's coming I for mean, too.
1: Yeah. Like Erica, what were the Lock Dolphins today? For you. That's what awesome. I were the Dolphins no today? When we time. get through this firestorm, what were the Dolphins?
3: Well, they definitely were MIA. <laughs> oh. oh! Hey, now. <laughs> yeah, Dolphins fans, I, I'm not going to pile on here, but anybody that was uh, coming after people in this room on Twitter, uh, this was kind of the game a lot of people saw coming. That the Dolphins were maybe not for real, and and the and they really got sent back to the drawing board, and and, yeah. a, and a really positive game for Sony
4: Michelle. And I know he was on your radar, Wes, as a guy who was struggling. I heard from a, a, one of our super listeners, uh, a mensch to all of us, Mike Burkwitz, <laughs> who thought you were too tough on him last week. He did have out of his 50 yards last week, 35 were after go, contact. Go
5: rewatch, go rewatch Sonny Michelle last week. The I mistakes did. that he made. Yeah,
4: mentally. What I'm saying is he's run hard, and today he had 50 yards after contact. So far, so far through two weeks, more than half his yards after contact, and that, that's what I that's like to that see. Is At least he's that's run, running hard. That's
5: misleading. He was not that impressive today. These were. Big holes he was running through. I counted maybe once or twice where he made a guy miss. This is not the Sonny Michelle we saw at Georgia. Maybe he will be that guy, but he wasn't that guy today. Mm.
2: Let's move on. Dropping the throw. with the blitz. Fires along the right sideline. That ball's caught by Dante Moncrief. Inside the 20, to the 15, to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown. Along the right sideline. Portals to Moncrief for the score.
3: Frank Frangie, WOKV, with the call. Blake Bortles threw two touchdown passes, including that 67-yarder to Dante Moncrief. And the Jacksonville Jaguars used a dominant defensive outing uh, performance, handling the New York Jets easily, uh, 31-12. to The final, Bortles, career-high, 388 yards passing. Uh, and for the Jaguars fans who were scratching their heads after last week's 9-6 and loss to the Titans, 9-6 loss at home to the Titans, this was a welcome sight. Um, Watching the game, you'll – and you you boys will see it as well. This would not be a game where I'm looking at what Blake Bortles did and I'm marveling at his ability to stick things into the – not the cornhole, the turkey hole. you got to be careful here. And, uh, you know, looking off receivers and going through – or defenders or going through his pro- progressions in some type of magnificent way. Uh, the, the Jets played a very soft defense uh, coverage that I couldn't quite figure out and just – Portals did a nice job carving them up on just crossing patterns over and over again. Ten yards per attempt. Jaguar Jaguars just kind of running these little crossing patterns, maybe seven yards over the field, and then heading upfield, 12 to 15 yards gains it felt like all day. And um, this game wasn't even as close as the score indicates. The Jets, almost from the first series, um, were outclassed and, uh, quite frankly, I think outcoached, and and they did not look good at all as a team, uh, and the Jaguars' defense, although they're they're not as turnover-minded as they were last year, uh, they d- definitely stifled the Jets on offense. Uh, a Jets offense. I'll also add that I'm very concerned about Jeremy Bates, uh, the offense coordinator, and the and the scheme that he's cooking up, and if, whether he's giving Darnold a chance to succeed here because it's highly conservative. Uh, Why at this point? Why well, not
1: just kind of let it?
3: It's. I would say he would probably say we need to be conservative, especially with a lot of stuff underneath because Darnold's not getting a lot of time. The offensive line was overwhelmed in this game tough matchup, a lot. Obvious. It's a tough matchup, but this is now three straight weeks, and Jet fans were used to this type of sh- stuff. But week one against the Lions, <laughs> nice they, job, they yeah. put up 31 points in the third quarter and a, and a, a total wipeout of, on the road. And this Jets team has just been terrible for three straight weeks now. So they've come crashing down to earth. Jaguars take care of business. Uh, I, I imagined that my father would not be happy with today's efforts, so let's hear from him.
2: His name is
5: Keith. He's stands dad. No doubt about it, he's a
3: big Jets fan. What is he going to say about the
0: game today? What is he going to say about the game today?
2: Today's performance by the Jets was pitiful. Uh, I don't know what kind of defense was being called by the the coaches today but it appeared to be some sort of a zone defense which was so totally ridiculous because everybody was so wide open that it was almost it, it was so easy for Bortles that it was ridiculous um, offensively the Jets I don't know where uh, Donald is going but he certainly again for the third straight game has played worse each, each week uh, this week he really should have had three picks, and luckily, uh, three of them were dropped. But once again, a poor performance by Donald, poor performance by the Jets' defense. Even though they had a chance to come back a little bit, uh, I thought the coaching staff was also to be held accountable for not being prepared to uh, play against the Jaguars.
3: That's I, I don't want to let, um, Thank you, Dad. I don't want to let Darnold off the hook either. My dad's right. He is. He missed on throws in this game. He got away with some easy interceptions. Jalen Ramsey had a gimme that he dropped. Um, so he doesn't look good right now either. Everything seems to be going wrong for the Jets. And keep an eye on this now, Mark. You brought it up last uh, on the preview show Is Todd Bowles in trouble. I really didn't think so after the Browns game. But when they get outclassed like this and you see a perform this is, this is the type of thing that can lead to – WFAN callers staging a, re- a revolt against uh, the coaching staff. Bowles has got to get this team turned around quickly. It's one thing if you th- if
1: they all thought the offensive coordinator was, was this gem inside the coaching staff that could maximize and make the most of your quarterback that you're centering the franchise around. If that's not the case, what is the selling point for this coaching staff?
3: Mm, right. Running it, out
1: of time. And uh
4: – it just makes you wonder why go if you're gonna have that short of hook why why bring it back in the first place and it makes you think back to when they first uh, hired Todd Bowles and I think that was on Doug Marone's mind as uh, yes. he called on a fourth uh, or after the their last touchdown he called for a two point conversion up 29 to 12 with 27 seconds left and I, I think that was absolutely something that was inspired by how the Jets. Uh, treated him when he was up for that job. And I thought for the first time, it might have been the first time in NFL history that a coach was running up the score on an opposing beat writer. <laughs> that basically, you know, the New York yes. Daily News and Manish Mehta did everything they could to make sure Doug Marone didn't get that job. And he enjoyed uh, where his team
1: is at compared to the I,
3: Jets right now. That also feels very Jetsy that they're getting punished because the beat writer for the <laughs> Daily News. Uh, hated Doug. Murray, yeah, that does, that does not feel fair to the fan. Base. That's that's cool. All Manish, right.
5: Manish not dealing well with the beat writer title. Well, <laughs> team columnist
3: back then it might have been. Beat let's uh, Mark. Let's check in with the other sad team in the room. Well, the win. Good. Ring the church bells. The Raiders are a
2: winner. Just finished, baby.
3: Not my church. That was Brent Musburger. Guys, it was KGMZ with the call. I forgot that he does radio for the Raiders. Now, Uh, the Oakland Raiders got a touchdown and a two point conversion uh, to tie the game late in in regulation, then got that short field goal from Matt McCrane late in overtime, securing a wild 45-42 win over the Cleveland Browns, who have reasons to be ticked off. And we'll get to that later. But, Mark, let's start with the Raiders and John Gruden, who persevered, finally got in the win column. How'd they do it?
1: Well, they did it by doing what they've not done this season, which is getting back into a game that they looked out of early on and holding on to victory and holding on for the win by absolutely mauling Cleveland's defense down the down the stretch. I mean, when this got into overtime and the way it got there we can dig into in a minute, I struggled watching this because as much as Cleveland was doing itself to move the ball, and there's reasons with this very young offense in Cleveland to be encouraged – Uh, their defense, which has played well this season, had no answers at all for Jared Cook for everything else that that Oakland was doing through the passing game. This thing is about a 97-minute long uh, war epic on game pass. So please uh, plan accordingly.
3: (laughs) That was, and let's get to it, the Browns got screwed. They should have won this game. They got as screwed as Clay Matthews and the Packers got screwed, in my opinion. This was a game they were attempting to close out with an eight-point lead uh, about midway through the fourth quarter, maybe later than that. Uh, they get a Carlos Hyde rush, and Carlos Hyde is running really well. on um, Third down, he, he comes down his elbow with the ball down on the uh, yellow first down line. Of course, that's not official, but they put the ball down, spot it, measures a first down by half of a nose of a football. The rep- Oh, it was inside two minutes. Uh, So the replay comes from upstairs, and they re-spot the ball and take the first down away, and and that was stunning because there was no evidence to indicate that he was short of the line. Uh, That led to a punt and the subsequent game-tying score. So bad on the Browns not getting the stop, but this game should have been over. Yeah, these things
1: happen, but the one thing about this particular call on the spot is that's one call that really – How many times a season is that kind of call overturned when the visual evidence is so strong? It was crazy. I I don't – and you know what? You can choose to get super bitter about it, but it's just one of these turns of events where if you're Cleveland, I don't know what you say because this – they also had a defensive – there was one other play where they essentially mauled Derek Carr. He lost the ball – and the browns picked it up and started to run in for a touchdown and they whistled it dead saying that forward motion had not been it had been stopped and it's like the replay there also showed very clearly what should have been a browns defensive touchdown so it was from an officiating standpoint a super odd game there were so
4: many moments where it felt like the browns had won the game i mean that that was one of them then again in such an offensive game it's unfair to put much on Baker Mayfield or the offense, but they had a chance there to put the game away. They went three and out. They did get the ball with 30 seconds left, and they were were just about on the edge of being in position to score. Mayfield forces one and gets picked off, and they did get the ball in overtime. So this wasn't a just go down the field or anything. They got the ball in overtime, and they went three and out there. So they just ran out of gas offensively, and Carr who was maybe a little up and down in this game, he threw some dimes. I mean, there's very few guys who have the same touch on those over-the-top-of-the-zone defense passes as David Carr.
3: Eric Carr. The Browns got the ball back after a 50-yard miss by the Raiders kicker near midfield and they went three and out. So they definitely had their chance. They just needed the three. They couldn't get it done. And this was almost like an NBA game to me where NBA games are kind of defined by runs a lot by each side where it felt like one team took over, the other team fired back and they just went back and forth. It's and exactly
1: then- how. I the one it's thing I'd out, say Dan. Thanks, Bud. The one thing I'd say looking at Cleveland's just their box score is this is an incredibly young team. None of, almost none of these players have really played together for more than a month or two. And it is, an, it is a game that's so set aside from any other Browns performance over the last five years that you, ha- you can't come out of here feeling hopeless. You have to l- look at it and say there's something to build off of here. Even with the mistakes Baker Mayfield made, th- there's, an act, there's an element of activity to this offense with him on the field that you just have not seen for They're a long
4: time. they fun and competitive every week. This reminds me of Michael Lombardi used to say how Greg Williams is the battleship type of coordinator, and some weeks, like the stuff he dials up just doesn't work. After the game, Gruden said he thought Rodney Hudson was the MVP of the game because he called out and recognized who's the center for the Raiders, who called out and recognized every blitz that Williams was sending at them, and they had him all protected up, and it made life easy. No, that's Sorry. encouraging.
1: <laughs> hmm.
3: Browns getting close. They could be four and zero. They're one, two, and one. But I think they're going to be in the mix, Mark. Hey, at least they're scoring
5: 40-something points in their heartbreaking losses now. right.
3: Let's move on. Here comes that pressure. Bathard
5: hit.
2: Ball is out. Ball is on the ground. Scooped up by the Chargers. Isaac Rochelle has it. Turnover. Charger ball. Derwin James knocks it out.
3: We know that voice. Matt Money Smith. K-F-I with the call, Isaac Rochelle's interception was the ruling on that. With less than three minutes to play was the decider. A turnover that helped secure a 29-27 Chargers win over the 49ers, playing their first game without Jimmy Garoppolo. Wes uh, Rochelle made the big play, but another L.A. defender caught your eye in this one.
5: Derwin James, there's no safety currently in the NFL who plays like him. You have to go back to Troy Palomalo to see a safety this disruptive at the line of scrimmage. And Derwin James might be even more disruptive at the line of scrimmage than Troy Palomalo. This guy is in the backfield constantly every single game the Chargers play. I tuned tuned in about the second quarter and immediately saw him hit the quarterback, bat a pass, sack the quarterback, and then late in this game, another hit on Beathard caused – Caused that um, interception by Rochelle. But Derwin James was the star of the game. And, and give give a hand to these Chargers running backs. Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler are averaging 206.5 yards per game and 1.75 TDs per game. Oofa. Compare that to Ingram and Kamara had about 190 yards per game last year in a, in a touchdown and a half. The Tevin Coleman, DeVonta Freeman, backfield the year before that had about 155 yards per game and a touchdown and a half. So Gordon and Eckler, the season is still young, but they are on a record pace right now.
4: They're going against the NFL norm right now where the tight, the, you know, the Titans don't have any running game and they're scoring 35 points. The Colts same with them. all these teams are doing it with almost no running well, game and the Chargers are an old school. The Chargers are
5: doing most of it through the air with Gordon and Eckler. I mean, Gordon had a 100-yard game, but most of their damage this year has been through the air. And and for the 49ers, I thought Beathard played all right. The one note I have on him, and this goes back to last year, every time I watch this guy play, I admire his toughness and think there's no way he's lasted more than a month with all the unnecessary hits he takes. He will sit in the pocket and take your best shot before he releases the ball every time, but he just keeps getting hit over and over again.
4: You don't want that kind of card. Uh,
3: you know what else I don't want? Caleb Sturgis on my team. I, let's, let's keep it real here. Missed the field goal, missed two extra points. 0 for 2 on extra points. Robbie Aguayo, Robbie Aguayo it's time <laughs> to dig him up and get him on the field or at least bring in some kickers because, again, week after week after week, the Chargers get undermined by their kicking That's game.
5: That's true, and you never want to see a kicker miss two extra points, but he did hit some field goals down the stretch. Ooh. They were shorter field goals, but at least he hit them. I don't know. But I got, yeah,
3: I, your point is well taken.
5: Special teams are still an issue with this team, and it's not just the kicker. I think the teams
4: that passed on Derwin James that badly needed safeties, the Bucks come to I, mind. Uh, I got to figure out the Ravens how. Ravens come to mind. The, Bi- fi- the Bills the come Raiders? to mind. The Raiders. The Ravens. Uh, no, the Raiders.
5: The Bucks. yeah. Sure. All those teams.
4: And, and it, that was one of those on draft day where all the fans are like, why aren't you taking Derwin James? And for once. By know, the way, on NFL.com, right.
1: about a month ago. Someone in this room listed Derwin James as the rookie of the year candidate. It was oh. not Greg, Dan, or Wes. It might have been Wes. Might have been Greg, but I know oh, I, I know one person did. It did.
3: Just who, who was
1: it? It wasn't Erica either. Wait, so, did Wes just go it? third person? Was it Wes? No, I mean, it was Mark. He was he oh, was ranked number one yeah. on my Alright, well that rookie. will be fine. We'll move on. <laughs> okay, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> that did not go well.
3: <laughs> Erica! Handoff off inside. <laughs> Alvin Kamara's got a big hole. He's to the 35, to the 30, to the 20. Oh, it's a foot line, race man. to the goal line, to the 5. Touchdown, Alvin Kamara, 49 yards, and that'll do it from here in New York. New Jersey. Zach Streif, WWL with the call. Alvin Kamara ran for three second-half touchdowns, and that dormant Saints defense finally showed up. An impressive 33-18 win over the Giants at MetLife Stadium. Um... You know, G-Men let me down, eating a big old L.
5: Oh, lock. this is why you're upset about me being 4-0 in the lock. Because <laughs> no. you took another L.
3: No, it is all about your decision-making, Wes. My decision I sleep well pristine. knowing that I got behind a team that wasn't a heavy favorite, but I, I thought they had a chance. Should have stuck with my Texans. I Texas slept pay. well getting behind a winner. but
5: Well, then pick the Patriots every week. Do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick. I'll take pick the a, trophy home. I'll pick the right matchup every week against an undefeated team.
3: I know when you look in the mirror, you see ghosts.
5: <laughs> I see. I see four and and0 oh, baby.
3: <laughs> Will Lutz um, hit four field goals for the Saints early? Uh, they were knocking on the door time and time again. And they were struggling in the red zone, the Saints were. Uh, And you were thinking that would come back to haunt them because the Giants would eventually start uh, racking up yards because the Saints have been getting killed, especially on chunk plays. But something odd happened, uh, or maybe not odd, maybe there is an explanation. And Tony Romo, who called the game um, or did the color uh, for this game, pointed it out in the fourth quarter that the way to beat the Saints' defense early on the season is attack them downfield, and they don't have an answer. But the Giants' offensive line is in such a state that they can't even do that. So when they're down in this game uh, 16 points uh, early in the fourth quarter and they need a quick score to get this game under control and have a chance, they can't even attack with downfield passing because every time Eli takes a snap, he drops back and there's somebody in his face. So that's a major issue for the Giants still. even They, they were a lot better last week, obviously, uh, when they got got things together and got their first win. But that is still something that's an issue with this team. But give the Saints credit uh, because they not only uh, did find a way to slow down an offense that looked really good last week, they were able to f- close this game out. And I know that um, they're getting your boy uh, Mark Ingram back, Mark Sessler, next week. But Alvin Kamara uh, is fine all on his own because he, he is just an ass kicker and he put this game away. The biggest drive of the game, in fact, the Giants had um, cut the game to one score, eight points, and the Saints took over. Fourteen play, seventy-four yard drive that covers almost seventeen minutes, chewing up uh, almost half the fourth quarter. Took control, uh, and then uh, the play you heard there, Kamara putting it away with a long run. So, a nice, a nice victory for the Saints who needed it.
1: Dan, where are you? I, you're sort of a
3: closet Giants
1: fan. I would say you're not really existing uh, no. that's in that's overstating it. But, okay, okay. Well. You are there's something about you and the Giants that is linked. Where are you with the Pat Shermer experience at this point? Because some of these Giants games feel a lot like Pat Shermer's first coaching stint in Cleveland to me.
3: I don't. I don't really have a strong opinion to be honest with you, Mark. I, what I can say is that Pat Shermer took over a team that has a horrendous offensive line and an aging quarterback who doesn't move too well, and uh, this is proving to be highly detrimental to their success mm. in 2018. You, you can. Like, you can say that
4: they can't protect against the Saints, and I get that, that, but the Saints have a bad pass rush. And I I looked in the fourth quarter of this game, and and the Giants didn't have a passing play over 11 yards. Like, you have to try. Like, you, I don't I don't know. You have to take shots. You just have to give it a try. Well, I'd say check not, it out. They can't. Give it a try. Like, for instance, their pass blocking for whatever. It's worth rated out as, as a, like, a pos- plus today for pro football focus. I don't think they've been as bad in, in previous years. And either way, you have to give it a shot. I
5: well, mean, C.J. Beathard's taking no shots. Eli Manning's not. Well, we'll see. It is interesting
3: watching Odell Beckham, who for most of this game was catching balls within about two yards of the line of scrimmage. Seems like a, a wasteful... Uh, use of uh, the game's most talented I mean, wide receiver.
5: Saints might be the biggest climber up Mount, Everest, Mount mm. Everett this week. Ooh, I mean, Camara is an alien. Greg, wait, wait, wait. He's an alien. Greg, we got to get, s- get set up oh, there. Yeah. You plug
3: the Twitter <laughs> show. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> every Tuesday, one thirty Pacific, 4.30 Eastern, our live Twitter video show. Uh, we do uh, a power rankings of sorts that are called Mount Everett, and the Saints are making their move. We are constantly. So Are we doing that every week? Not every week, but maybe this week we haven't had our pre-production meeting yet.
1: We are constantly working
4: through our issues on this show. 181 <laughs> yards in scrimmage. He's up to 511. He is an alien. Uh, on the week that, that who's he? Alvin, Alvin Kamara. Okay. He, and the week that you know the Carter Five came came out. I feel like he's the NFL equivalent to Little Wayne. There ain't there's no one mm. like him. He's an alien. Oh, Greg squeezed and, that in there. And he, Greg likes rap. He, he does. He likes Alvin Kamara.
3: <laughs> Do you like the Carter Five? Oh yeah. Oh, you're in. We
5: oh, were yeah. listening to I thought it, it was the over. fire
4: pit the other night. No, this is – I mean, it's 23 songs, so you maybe have to make your own little 12-song 12, yeah. 12 version of it. But, oh, yeah. it's.
5: Did you have the colored fire flames fire. out? Oh, we have magic flames out. Oh, beautiful. We, we had some casualties passed out in the grass for a while.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I heard there was the rare – Person passed out while the sun was still up. Oh, that's that's
5: uh, confirmed. She went down like I showed up and she had rallied and was
4: back back in the mix by the time I was there. She
5: had a she had a tremendously impressive second win after being out for three hours. (laughs) Shot with a tranquilizer. I mean,
1: how often do you find like just a a female passed out in your yard in the way in this fashion? It was uh, disquieting.
5: I take no no responsibility that that all happened before her. Too too often. No, in fact, never, Greg. That happened before me. her arrival at my house. I was busy cooking dinner while this was all going right.
3: on. Did anybody make sure that her uh, air passage was clear?
5: Yes, I, I <laughs> outfitted her with a blanket and checked on her several times.
1: I thought West was very caring
4: in his... Well, you uh, knew she was yes. breathing because you said she was snoring like... Oh, she, like <laughs> a <amazing>. lumberjack.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Got to get her on the show. It was impressive. Uh, let's move on.
0: From 52, Michael Dixon puts it down. The kick has got legs. It is there. It is good. Sebastian Janikowski kicks it through. The Seahawks win on the last play of the game.
3: Love it. Steve Rabel, K-I-R-O, with the call. Sebastian Janikowski, who had missed two kicks earlier in this game, knocked through. The 52-yarder's time expired, giving the Seattle Seahawks a 20-17 win over the Cardinals. Uh, Josh Rosen was making his first start for the Cards. Could not get a W, but showed some signs. The Seahawks um, are now 2-2, two two, but the victory comes at a brutal cost, Greg. Yeah, Earl Thomas had a fracture
4: in his lower leg late in the game. He was carted off the field. He was famously, as everyone listening to this probably already knows by now, seen. Uh, flash in a middle finger, no confirmation exactly. Flipping the bird. Flipping the bird towards the Seahawks, you know, sideline but no one knows exactly who was at or what was going on. It did come after a long emotional period where both teams kneeled around him. Everyone knew right away how serious this was. Pete Carroll came over and talked to him and he was understandably distraught and this, you know, it was his worst nightmare. It, I mean, it came on a touchdown throw. It was just, it was just a bad moment and then 20 minutes later, here are the Seahawks 2-2. Two and two. Despite this ugly start that they've had, they're kind of in fine shape.
5: I'm sorry. I'm looking to see what the injury was last year. Was that the same injury that ended his last? year? <laughs> I think That's that was a nice. Traumatic pause. That right there. was the longest rec. The longest uh, just
4: silence we've had on this show in a while. I I, I was
3: it. doing some uh, work behind the scenes to keep the show moving, so I wasn't ready to jump in. Mark's got his leg up. He yeah, checked out about 50 minutes. <laughs> no, I, no, I
1: I thought that attention. I thought that was definitely a toss to West type moment. So I was gonna. <laughs> Let West go there. Let me let
3: me give a little more context uh, for this game. Phil Dawson, I think I don't think you mentioned this. He missed the forty-five yarder that would have given Arizona the lead with a, a, a one minute and fifty seconds to play. They're now zero four. And Josh Rosen, uh, Greg, who started very slowly in this game, um, did seem to show some things in the second half.
4: Yeah, he his best four throws were all in the fourth quarter. He moved the ball on a couple drives. They were down seventeen to ten. He had. He tied up the game with some dimes, and then he set up what should have been the go-ahead score. But instead of being aggressive, Mike McCoy and, oh, no. and Steve Wilkes, who are on my radar, just call three straight runs, mm. including on third and six, to set up a 45-year-old, uh, a 45-yard field goal, and I. Maybe that was a slip of the tongue because Phil Dawson is about 45 yeah. years old. He had missed a kick earlier in the game, and I hate this kind of coaching, and I hate that Pete Carroll did the exact same thing a couple minutes later. Carroll got away with it. C-Bassett would had missed a couple kicks, nailed one, and made him look better. But this insanely conservative play calling of running and not trying to get closer for field goals. McCoy and Carroll, they made me sick. It's 2018. Wake up. You're getting passed by all these offensive teams.
5: Ah! C- Seabass in a Seahawks uniform is one of the most bizarre things about this season. It's, it's I was so confused right. when that <laughs> highlight came up because I was like, wait, what game is this?
3: It's borderline Jerry Rice in a Broncos uniform. I
5: thought, honestly, I forgot they signed him, and I thought an offensive lineman was coming into kick last <laughs> week when I saw him on the <laughs> Well, he, he needs to go a up boy. a size, yeah. It's jarring. <laughs> You think he's got to go? Uh, you think a little it's it's a, tight? It's a little he's tight. He's pushing it's like, three bills Yeah, it's right like now. a sausage casing in there. <laughs> three uh, bills. But, but uh, I did, I was
4: encouraged by Rosen. But I'm not encouraged by the Seahawks. Just seemed a little too happy to whenever they would take a small lead in this game that they just get the game was over.
3: Cardinals zero four for the first time since 1986. They are going to be picking in the top three. They're bad in April. And that takes us to Sunday night football. Flacco,
2: fake. Down the right side, wide open, is John Brown for the touchdown. Here we go. I don't know if we're getting a shootout or not, but we are off to a fast start.
3: We did not get a shootout, but Joe Flacco and John Brown got the Ravens off to a very hot start. A 14-0 lead uh, in the first quarter. The Steelers came back, made a game of it. We went into the third quarter, tied but then Justin Tucker did his thing, and the Pittsburgh Steelers offense sputtered again for the second straight weeks. Shut out in the second half, a 26-14 win for the Ravens over the Steelers, who dropped to 1-2-1. and one. Mark Sessler, tough day for the Browns, but whenever you see Big Ben and the Steelers get beaten up, it's a good night, isn't it?
1: <laughs> I'm really, I'd be really concerned about the Steelers, if I'm within 1,000 miles of Pittsburgh right now, 47 yards or so in the second half. The team completely went to sleep, at least in the past, even when Pittsburgh's defense would, would be up and down, and it's been a very sloppy affair all season so far. You could count on this offense, especially in a Ravens game, to find a way to make it tight at the end, and Baltimore dominated them over the final 30 minutes. It's another performance by the Ravens that I think just points to them as an overt a uh, favorite in the AFC, a playoff type team that could go as far as anyone could imagine. And
4: this game would have been an even bigger out if Alex Collins hadn't fumbled the ball on the goal line. It's, it's great when the team that's clearly better wins the game. And for the most of this game, the Ravens look like the better team. And I don't know what they're doing exactly at halftime. On defense, you know, Wink Martindale deserves some credit. Uh, their coordinator, that they haven't given up a touchdown in four games because they just were lights out. And they're a defense where you're looking for individual players that are kind of standing out to talk about. And it, they're not really that defense. They're a the sum is greater than the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Marlon Humphrey is one player at cornerback that's been standing out this year. But other than that, it's just a deep group that rookie, gets after you.
5: Rookie linebacker Kenny Young has been really good. I think you look at the Jags, Bears, Redskins, Rams, and Ravens as the top five defenses in the NFL right now. Mm. And the Ravens have the best kicker in the NFL. They've got a quarterback who will be somewhere on the periphery or around the last – around the 9-10 area in my uh, top 10 MVP candidates. Oh, mamma mia. Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco Flacco is off to the best start since his 2012 Super Bowl season. He looks good. John Brown looks good. Smokey. This this might be – I don't think this is going out on a limb. This might be the most balanced, well-rounded AFC team right now. Joe Flacco,
3: twenty-eight of forty-two, three hundred and sixty-three, two touchdowns. That is the most yards he's ever thrown against the Steelers. And on the other side, you know, Le'Veon Bell. The, now the report is that they're the Steelers are actively trying to move him in a trade, but the, they they've been unable to find a suitor. Well, I'm wondering, and I, I'm sure Sports Talk Radio. Um, in Pittsburgh, it's going to start getting louder, the drumbeat, to get this guy in the building because they need help. And uh, Ben Roethlisberger has not been able to carry this team. Uh, And James Conner in this game, nine carries, 19 yards. They seem to be missing something. Is it Le'Veon Bell?
5: What can they do to get him in the building? That would be my... I mean, I don't think they can. Not Does this locker room they're, want him
3: in the building? I think they I think they'd
4: be happy to have him, but you're right, West. They're not giving him a contract extension. So there's there's unless they totally change their stance on that, they're just waiting for him. And this is two out of the last three games James Conner has been held under 20 yards rushing. He's not the problem. He's catching passes. It's just the whole offense in general is disjointed. Antonio Brown's not quite been himself certainly making. Watch out for play. him in the locker room tonight. And we did ask, I we asked the question going into the season: Was Ben Ben finished last season strong? But it was an up and down year. Was that a sign of some slippage? And so far this year, he hasn't played as as well as you would expect him to.
3: So there you go. Problems. Some problems in Pittsburgh. Did they get it straightened out? Right now, they're tied with the Browns at the bottom of the AFC North. So the uh, Baltimore Ravens three and one, looking feisty. The Steelers in trouble. Uh, there's one more game on the week four schedule. Uh, That is the Chiefs in the
4: Broncos. It's in Denver. Very
3: smooth, guys. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And uh, you will hear us recap that game the next time we're all together in this room. That is our Tuesday ATN Twitter video show. So make sure you check that out on Twitter. Uh, at 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern Tuesday. We have a lot of fun. Connie Fox is involved, Reggie Bush. Oh, it's a gay time. H- had by all. That's That, that it is. Wonderful. Yes. And then the next time you'll hear this. It's uh, our new slogan. Yes. A gay time had by all. The Around the NFL podcast. And the next time you hear from us in a podcast form, of course, Wednesday. So thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, that is it for the flagship show. Week four, Dan is signing off for... The Quiet Storm, The Mailman, The Old Boss, and The Loose Cannon, Ricky Hollywood, Erica Tamposi, behind the glass. Till Tuesday.